0: that, baby, one more time, this is Bizarre Podcast Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant, you can call him Chip, and we are continuing on talking about episodes 19 and 20 of Stardust Crusaders. Have you noticed? This is our 19th episode, and we're starting by talking about a 19th episode. Oh,
1: man. It keeps happening. I think this happened last week, too, right? Well, yeah,
0: last week was our 18th, and it ended with Stardust Crusaders this 18th. Right,
1: right. So yeah, this is the, the first of, I think, three two-parters, one after another, so like we said last time, we're only covering uh, each two-parter rather than doing three episodes because we don't want to end on a cliffhanger, or at least more of, more of a cliffhanger than you usually get at the end of any, <laughs> any JoJo episode.
0: <laughs> we we don't want to end halfway in the middle of a stand. We yeah. want to talk about all of the stands. Yeah. So we, we've got
1: uh, Death 13 Part 1 and 2 today. Mm-hmm. Uh, which immediately starts with Kakyoin and his lovely striped pajamas mm-hmm.
0: uh, in a black void. And he wakes up to the sound of a crying baby, mm-hmm. which is an anxiety dream that I think Kakyoin is too young to have.
1: <laughs> well, we don't really know much backstory about Kakyoin at all, so maybe he uh, his secret motivation for uh, uh, joining everybody on this thing was to just get
0: away from... Uh... <laughs> all of his <laughs> illegitimate children. You think Kakuin is fathering children across the the high schools of Japan? Oh no. He seems like too much of a good boy. Cuz I did see how those ladies were looking at him though. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So anyway, Kakuin's biological clock is ticking. Uh, as he uh, uh, finds himself awakened inside a Ferris wheel gondola that is the size of a studio apartment. (laughs) It's huge. This is huge.
1: Yeah, and he's in some type of, like, theme park. All the colors are weird. The sky is, like, a deep green. The trees are purple.
0: Things are generally pink. There's a lot of pink in the structures around. But, yeah, he looks out, and you can see all of the, the various flat rides uh well manicured uh, uh parks and landscaping that you would expect from a theme park there there is an obvious like Disneyland inspiration oh yeah but i think this is modeled on a different park we'll get to that later
1: yeah and there there's one other thing inside this uh car in the Ferris wheel with him uh and that's a dog
0: mhm nothing is more foreboding than the appearance <laughs> of a new dog yeah I see some sort of fanged monster, like, whatever, that's no big deal. I see a dog, I, I'm... Uh-oh. <laughs> White knuckle, baby. <laughs> Something bad's gonna happen. So yeah, is like, petting the dog, the
1: dog's wagging his tail, and Kaki was just like, man, this baby crying is weird. A uh, whole bunch of balloons float up into the sky, he grabs one of them. They all have cards tied to, like, the string in the balloon. Mm-hmm. Turns it around. It's the death 13, the death tarot card.
0: Yes, the death tarot card, which is numbered 13 of the major mm-hmm. arcana. The numbers haven't ever come into play until now. And it's been a long time since we had a color, actually. That that used to be the thing.
1: Yes. Yeah, there used to be a color, I don't know, chartreuse? <laughs> uh, but as Kakuin is looking at the card and going, uh-oh, death, the illustration of death on the card comes to life. This
0: is new. I don't think we've ever had—it is rare, at least, if not new, for a, uh, a stand to be depicted in the card art yep. that, that goes with that stand. But this version of Death is sort of like a, a porcelain mask harlequin clown yeah. uh, with a giant scythe, Grim Reaper style, being Death and all. Mm-hmm. It, its whole body occluded by this long flowing cloak.
1: Yeah, I like this thing's design. It's cool. It's got a goofy it's hat cool.
0: though. Oh, very, very. It's, goofy it's got hat. a really,
1: it's got a really tall round uh, hat. It's got like a, it looks like it has a health bar on the front of it because it's like in segments and it's partially filled up. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this thing leaps out of the the card and swings its scythe and
0: uh, it goes clean through the dog's head. And this is why dogs aren't allowed in Ferris wheels. It's for their own safety. Yeah. You might
1: get a sight through the head, dog.
0: Straight through the face. It's. I assume it's disgusting. It is blacked out hard. Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, and as Cockyween is just, like, looking at the dog and screaming, he is suddenly awoken. He's in his bed. Polnareff mm-hmm. just shook him awake. And
0: Polnareff has his bag back. They, they listened. Yay! Through, through decades of time. They heard me. Yay! His trademark <laughs> bag. Although, isn't it smaller than it used to be? Well, he's used a lot of the stuff he packed.
1: Okay, that's sure. I like. I really like that one Polnareff is just like, bro, why are you screaming? Kakyoin goes, bad dream, man. I don't know. And uh, Polnareff's response is like, oh, man, I want to hear about it. <laughs> he loves nightmares. But yeah, Kakyoin cannot remember his dream like at all, really. Just that it was scary.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm but but before we move on I, I should talk about the death tarot card before we we mm, lose it yeah uh it represents ends mortality uh, obviously uh destruction corruption and for a man the loss of a benefactor but for a woman many uh, uh contrarities and for a maid <laughs> failure of marriage prospects Oh boy. This, this is some sort of gender locked tarot card. That's that's weird
1: and that make, <laughs> man death is busy. That's too many roles for one job. <laughs> that's three person three people's jobs.
0: But but generally like it, the, the death card is interpreted not so much as literal death but as the end of a thing, the close of a chapter mm-hmm. and therefore technically the beginning of something new. Unless it is an actual literal death in this case.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this thing just wants to kill you. (laughs) Uh, When Polnareff opens up the, pulls up the blinds in in Kakioin's room, they're sleeping, like, right outside the runway with the Cessna. Mm -hmm. I like that they're just, they're right next to it.
0: They got an airport access hotel. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they've already gotten a hold of the plane. They're going to drive, like, 500 kilometers that day. Uh, once they hop on, but as they're walking out, oh, also right before they walked out, uh, Kakiwing noticed that his arm was bleeding. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a big cut on his arm.
0: So so we, the viewer, get basically the, the mechanics, right? Th- this is a yep. if you die in the dream, you die in real life sort of, of situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was probably in popular consciousness at the time from, you know, the Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm hmm. Uh, but the the basic idea is of course very very old, very folkloric. what One of the root like uh, instances of it is probably the the succubus legend the the demon mm-hmm. that comes to you in your sleep and saps your 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 essence, your sexual vigor because it's one of them <laughs> fuck demons. oh man. to the point that you might die. yeah <laughs> yeah, just become a desiccated husk, yeah. Uh, Thank you to a friend of the show, Diane, for uh, when I was looking for like, where does this really come from? For for pointing out that connection and and reminding Mm. me of that. Thank you, Diane. Thank
1: you. So when Kakuin and Polnareff walk outside, they hear a little kid crying and uh, they look over where that kid is, and he's crying over his dead dog, and it's the dog from the dream.
0: Cockyween says to himself, I could have sworn that I saw a dead dog not too long ago. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you think? You want me to count them for you, Cockyween? You see one about every
1: other day, dude. <laughs> you gotta be more specific. What? At least differentiate color of dog? We've had different colored dogs, so at least.
0: That red line on the map, that's not following your journey. It's just connecting all the dead dogs of the world. <laughs> Uh, so cocky is mean, just
1: like hmm
0: and then they move on with their day mm-hmm.
1: but uh joseph's having an argument with uh the dude that sold him the the cessna saying like i gotta take this back you can have your money back we need this plane for much more important thing we got a baby that's super sick and we have no doctors here
0: all right uh is that baby a victim or a stand user place your bets now people hmm <laughs> We know Dio was an evil baby. That has been said in the text. Evil babies
1: are on the table. And it's like, you look at the baby in this little basket, and it looks sick. It's all
0: sweaty and stuff, but mm-hmm. that don't mean shit. An evil baby could fake that. Uh, the, the baby is being uh, carried, cradled by a, a middle-aged woman. Is that supposed to be the baby's mom? Because she is really nonchalant and, like, pragmatic about having a baby with a 102-degree fever. <laughs> yeah. And she comes up with the idea to give him away to angry strangers.
1: <laughs> yeah, please take him, take him. And she's not pleading; she's just like, "Well, logically, if." <laughs> yeah, I love this quick shot of uh, they're they're talking about what to do with the baby, and you know, it's like, "Oh, the Cesta can only hold four, but a baby would be fine to carry." Mm-hmm. And the camera zooms in on this sick-looking baby, and then for like. A couple of frames, it makes an evil smile and it has vampire fangs. <laughs> yep, that's it, evil baby. That's an evil baby. And only Cocuy notices, and he's just like, <gasps> <and> he like <laughs> looks around, and no one else has noticed the evil baby
0: face. <laughs> so like the whole, the whole two parter just falls into place at this moment. As you know, oh god, they're going to have to punch a baby. <laughs> Have to fight a baby. One of these men, one of these heroic good boys, is going to (laughs) murder a baby (laughs) for the cause of righteousness. They have to save
1: (laughs) Jotaro's mom. Got to kill a baby. What if a baby had a gun? Was going to shoot you with the gun? (laughs) You got to punch the baby. You You got to fight back. You got to attack the baby. (laughs) So they take the baby. their Polnareff is like real cocky is like you know man we we followed every single precaution we made sure there were no stand users anywhere we we checked out the plane we're in to make sure it wasn't a, a stand user who has a plane as a stand <laughs> and it's like yeah that's really thorough but you <laughs> But every time you think, man, we've been so thorough, you know, what What if our shoes are a stand now or something? There's always, the the, the bad guys are always one step ahead. Baby stand. You uh, would never dead. think of that yet. After this, you're going to be checking every baby to see if they're evil. <laughs> but for now, that's a normal baby.
0: So as, as they, you know, do their pre-flight checks and take off, agreeing that, you know, they're going to get this baby, the medical care it needs as soon as they land, uh, so that the baby doesn't have to wait two days for, for the, their second plane to be fixed, and they don't have to wait two or three days for the plane to make a round trip to get the baby to the doctor. They're going to take the baby to the doctor. That's the plan. <laughs> and as they leave, the, the lady that was holding the baby is like, I wonder who that baby belongs to anyway. <laughs> yeah. You didn't wonder this before? You stole yeah. a baby?
1: Yeah, she, she was just like, I don't know. When I was near the baby, it made my head fuzzy, and I wanted to give it away. <laughs> it made me want to give it away god they're flying across the desert and pulled ref, just like me yawning here is like damn i'm sleepy mm-hmm. uh and and tells everybody hey i'm just gonna take like a quick 30 minute ma- nap he falls asleep Cockween also very sleepy he falls asleep and then they both wake up together in the ferris wheel mm-hmm. dead dog's still
0: in there now i want to talk about this amusement park. Mm-hmm. i'm picking up that pin from later <laughs> so uh, uh while it's easy to say that this is inspired by disneyland i would say it is instead a more direct reference to nara dreamland and yeah? yeah both because of the name and it's generally pink hue <laughs> yeah yeah i could totally see that being nara nara dreamland in its inception was the first attempt at licensing uh, the Disney brand for a Japanese theme park. The license fell through, but the uh, park went forward, and it opened years before uh, uh, Tokyo Disneyland did, mm-hmm. and closed in 2005, becoming an uh, urban explorer destination for, for urbex people around the globe.
1: Yeah, I think there's a defunct land
0: video on, ah, on there, Nara. I'm sure there is. I'm
1: I'm I'm pretty sure I've actually watched that, because I, I think that's how I know about that place. But mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Nara, Nara was cool. During Stardust Crusaders publication, both parks were just open and operating, serving you know the, the mm. people of Japan. So, so kakui now that he's
1: back in the dream, he like remembers the previous dream as well. Yes, uh, and Polnareff's just like, oh damn, it's a dream. Then none of this is actually scary. <laughs> And he just sits down and starts like li- playing with the dead dog, just like lifting up its ear.
0: It's <laughs> like, none of this is actually scary. It ain't real. He keeps talking about how, you know, malleable and con- controllable dream reality is. You know, you just think of something and it's there. Is Polnareff a lucid dreamer? Maybe. Does he turn a lot of his dreams into leg dreams?
1: <laughs> He explicitly went out of his way to train to be a lucid dreamer just for that yeah. <laughs> And also so that he like in this episode at this point he could just conjure ice cream in his hand mm-hmm.
0: So uh, uh death 13 arrives and uh, uh, Let's loose its catchphrase lolly-ho. Yeah, it's gonna be saying that a whole lot all the time it, It's sort of punctuation, but especially for Threatening moments. Yeah Death 13 appears
1: via first yelling at them through a, a bullhorn that erupts from the dog's head mm-hmm. from, like, its scythe wound. Yeah! And then all of Death 13 just comes crawling out of the dog's face.
0: This is the <laughs> new worst dog death. Yeah! Not so much the death itself, but how the, the poor dog's carcass is treated. Mm-hmm. Just disgusting. It's the worst. It's the worst thing in the
1: world. Something, you know i'm just thinking too hard about but the dead dog is still there but the dog's dead is the mm-hmm. dog dreaming in death
0: <laughs>
1: if you died you just stay in the dream uh-huh.
0: <laughs> so so this pastel wonder world is is the dog's hell this is dog <laughs> hell
1: <laughs> yeah
0: yep what did this dog do? Nothing. This, this dog's eternal resting place is for its spirits to, to be torn asunder by a stand and to see all of the the, the wonders of joy, but completely unpeopled. You know, yeah. like th- this dog might love amusement parks, but not now. <laughs> do dogs love amusement parks? Uh, only service dogs would know.
1: <laughs> There's got to be a couple that like it. <laughs> But yeah, back back in reality, both Jotaro and and Joseph like are already suspicious. They're just like whispering to each other that, like, hey, something feels off. Mm-hmm. Just me? But yeah, uh Death Thirteen has like grabbed Polnareff by the neck and is about to just run his scythe through his mouth. Yeah,
0: always the blades on the tongues. Just yeah, uh blade we, we got a blade on tongue, we got a dog death. This is the most JoJo episode. But they're they're trying to summon their stands to fight back. They will not appear.
1: Yeah. And of course, Polnareff is just trying to straight up punch the stand at, at that point, and you know nothing It's just passing through because it's a
0: damn ghost. But back in the waking world, uh, the thing that they that uh, our, our uh, JoJo Brobros were talking about uh, isn't that they're like sensing some nefarious stand magic. No, no, their their noses were t- twitching, and the baby needs a change. Baby, baby change. So they wake up Polnareff, who is saved by the smell. <laughs>
1: He's, uh, yeah, he's, like, all messed up from the dream already, just shaking, sweating. Everyone's just like, you okay? I guess, yeah, I guess I'm cool. Same as Cockyween. can't remember what was happening. He just knows it was a really bad nightmare.
0: This is a stand whose weakness is dream journaling.
1: Oh, no. (laughs) Cockyween seems like the guy who would dream journal. I don't know.
0: I think he'd try it. I don't know if he does, but he seems to be the type that could be convinced to try it.
1: So Polnup's got to change the evil baby's diaper. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know which version you were watching. My version is partially censored at least, at least with the dog death. But this one you just straight
0: up see the poop. You see the poop and you see the tiny baby penis. You see <laughs> it all. <laughs>
1: yep. There's a later episode that's got <laughs> a lot more baby penis in it, and I hate it. <laughs> I don't it's one of those things where it's just like, yo,
0: maybe we need a warning for that one? I don't know. <laughs> it's too it's a lot. It's sort of like a, a the cultural taboo is different because like yep. under a certain age, Japanese stuff can just show penises. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's just like
1: uh, when you would when you would when I would watch like uh, uh, the original Dragon Ball on Toonami, they had to find all the ways to censor Goku's toddler, you know, baby penis or whatever because it was just like it was just out there a lot, <laughs> a lot. Basically, every shot was just Master
0: Roshi's cane was in the way. <laughs> <laughs> It's just not a taboo until you get to like a certain age, and I don't know what that yep. age is, but it's it's certainly point of acclamation, shall we say? Mm-hmm. And like, it's not that weird when it is like a literal in diaper baby, but like, sure, when it's a kid running around, that's when it's strange. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jotaro has to help Ponra change the diaper because he too is too shocked to see poop in there. Polnareff yeah. has, has no idea to, like, there's comic relief, kind of goofy, dumb guy, and then there's not knowing that babies poop in diapers. Like, <laughs> where the fuck have you been living? <laughs> Polnareff doesn't shit. <laughs> he, this is the first poop he's ever seen.
1: Yeah, it's, and it's not because he doesn't know about poop, it's just that his entire life he's been having toilet uh, problems, <laughs> so he's never been able to poop his whole life. There's always a pig in it or, you know, <laughs> something else. He's, he's still waiting to figure out what pooping is.
0: That's why he's so huge. He's about to
1: explode. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's gonna pop.
1: Those ain't muscles. <laughs> 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 fucking gross.
0: So, uh, in, in the dream, Death 13 now only has one target uh, uh, to focus on, and it's Kakyoin. And Kakyoin is freaking the fuck out, mm-hmm. facing down certain death.
1: He's trying to figure out any way he can, like, communicate or anything. Mm -hmm. While still in his nightmare, in real life, he's just starting to flail a lot. He's kicking and swinging his arms around. He accidentally kicks Joseph right across the jaw, and that sends (laughs) the plane spiraling straight down towards the ground. Everybody knew plane crash number four was only a matter of time. It's coming. (laughs) Here it comes. Here it is. So, Death 13 grabs Cockyween and just, like fuses him with one of the the corners of the ferris wheel car they're in and like ties him up so that he he can't move anymore mm-hmm. the the baby through the stand says i may crap in my diapers but i know a lot more than you guys i'm 11 <laughs> year, 11 months old and i'm a genius <laughs> uh and then he he starts um pushing eyeballs out of his his stands mask and and feeding them to Cacowine yeah, <laughs> right into his mouth. Yeah. Like there is a, a lot right of there.
0: of nightmaric imagery in the real world of JoJo's, but like when you're doing a dreamland story that that is the chance to really let loose. And yeah, oozing eyeballs going down someone's throat and then they eventually pop out little spider legs. Yeah. <laughs> That's the real shit. That's it. <laughs> And so Calculine's trying to
1: do anything to, to communicate with the other guys in the real world. So he pulls out a, a, a pocket knife mm-hmm. and starts cutting his arm and it won't wake him up. No matter how much
0: pain he feels in this, this Stan's dream world. And uh, he's doing a number him on himself. Like he's oh, going yeah. to work on his own forearm with a knife. But this whole time when there's a baby stand, you can't help but wonder who has been using this language in front of this baby. <laughs> Yeah. This baby is quite rude. Yeah. When did Dio meet this baby? <laughs> is Dio going to give the baby money? What What is Dio yeah. offering this baby? A lot of baby formula.
1: How did the baby become so loyal to an evil vampire so fast? <laughs> the baby isn't a vampire, but it looks like one. It's got the fangs. Is Dio just so good at
0: peekaboo that the, the baby is enamored <laughs> and, and just fiendishly loyal now? Oh, man. Dia would be good at peekaboo. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, those eyeballs grow little legs. They start like cramming themselves down and pull them out some mouth or co- Kokuying's mouth. It's like a nasty. Cuts back to you know the the plane again. Joseph is fairly cool about the plane cr- hurtling towards the ground mm-hmm. rapidly. Like he, <laughs> well, Joe he's Charles been also, here before. You know, he's, he's got yeah, a lot of I experience so.
0: with this sort of thing.
1: And Jotaro's also pretty calm, just saying like, "Hey, old man, just like fucking fix it." And just pull it. Trying to pull the plane up won't work on its own. And so Joseph calls out Herbert Purple, and it crawls into the circuitry of the plane, mm-hmm. and that makes the plane fly better to the point that it appears to have a Super Saiyan aura. <laughs> well, like he supercharges the controls
0: with Hamon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He uses Hamon too. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Hammon's done a lot of shit, but it never flew a plane before. <laughs> <laughs> this is some of that part one hamon, but uh, uh without the explanation and a ridiculous name shouted for it.
1: <laughs> yeah, he just shouts overdrive. That's it. So they're able to straighten the plane out, but they're really close to the ground. But like Colonel, phew. we managed
0: to avoid crashing.
1: <laughs> you know, phew, we we haven't crashed. Okay, it's fine whoops, there's two palm trees right ahead of them, and they just clip the wings clean off the plane, basically, <laughs> and crash.
0: So, yes, they have crashed dead center of the Arabian Peninsula. Mm-hmm. You know where that is? The desert. That's where they put the desert, right in the middle. Right, right,
1: yeah, right there. Uh, I like when they crash that it zooms out just to, you know, a map of the world, and it just draws a little X where they crashed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, now they're they're fucked. They're in the desert again. Mm-hmm. they've got some water and some supplies but that's it so they're they're setting up camp for the night they're just asking like how you know what's up with you you look
0: you look really fucked up dude and he, you know he doesn't have much to to say you know he he's a little bloody that's weird mm-hmm. i might have just got injured in the crash i guess yeah. uh he, he's not well rested but he has this weird sense that something's wrong with his baby uh i also believe there's something wrong with this baby baby had too big Baby legs, too small. Baby's
1: head, huge. <laughs> Baby head, huge.
0: I I had checked a mommy blog for the, the <laughs> 11-month-old uh, uh, milestones. This yeah. baby's real fucked up. They're supposed to be, like, scooting <laughs> around. Like, some babies are even walking or, like, walking along, holding themselves up along furniture, at least. Yeah. But my favorite milestone I saw was that uh, uh, 11 months is the perfect age to start teaching a baby that there is a difference between right and wrong.
1: Oh, shit. This baby This baby failed. needs those lessons so Yeah, bad. this baby was never taught, I think.
0: <laughs> that was the time. Oh, my God. You got to teach your baby. Come on, Joseph. You're the dad of the group. Teach that baby. He, uh, later, he is definitely the dad of the group.
1: He, uh, he does peekaboo with this baby. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Really good animation for Joseph doing peekaboo. <laughs> uh, and I like that Polnref is watching Joseph play peekaboo with, with the evil baby. And Polnareff's just stone-faced watching Joseph do this just says, What's so funny about that? It's not even a joke. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're right behind your hands, obviously. What kind of idiot is this baby? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the baby is some sort of super genius. Yeah. The baby mentions its wee-wee. In, when, in one of its it taunts. Does. It, uh, it it says does. wee-wee.
1: Right, yeah. It's when Cockyween's cutting his arm trying to wake himself up. and Yeah, he says, like, you're not going to get anywhere with a knife that's smaller than my wee-wee. Yeah. <laughs> what the
0: fuck? Which, which we have seen. Yeah. We know exactly how God. devastating that, that insult is. <laughs>
1: Joseph playing peekaboo with the evil baby. We we get to see the the evil baby's inner thoughts where its face gets way more evil looking. He fucking hates playing (laughs) peekaboo. He hates it. Does not like this. The radio and the plane's busted, so they got to find some other way to communicate people. And they just decide, like, well, we're just going to have to fucking hike it tomorrow with this baby. We got to save this baby who at the moment seems perfectly fine. Is having fun playing peekaboo. Yeah, I, I guess it doesn't have a
0: 102 degree fever anymore. Yeah, the the plane crash t- uh, took it out of him. Your doctor will never prescribe a plane crash and maybe you should ask <laughs> them why that is. What are they trying to hide, huh? Huh? Hmm. <laughs> One cool trick doctors don't want you to know. <laughs> crashing a plane so in a quiet moment kakuin like rolls up his sleeve to try to bandage his wound and as he cleans the blood away he sees (laughs) that it's not just you know some some cut from plane wreckage or anything like that it's the words baby stand in all (laughs) caps in carved into his forearm i love this fucking reveal (laughs) imagine imagine if memento ended with the guy punching a baby (laughs) Yeah, that's an alternate ending on the DVD. <laughs> Both doctors and Christopher Nolan are trying to hide the truth from you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just like
1: a quiet thing where he l- rolls up to his sleeve and then it's just like, huh, that's weird. Like the camera like whooshes out and it, like, you know, there's a big bam sound baby effect. Stand. Baby it's stand. so dramatic that baby stand is on his arm.
0: This, like, this two-part episode seems to, like, synthesize a lot of what we said about the last two stand fights. Mm. Like, uh, uh, the, the way that uh, the Sun episode had these hard lines between the, the different tones it was trying to do, and the the Death 13 fight is blending them together, because we are in an impossible situation. This is uh, uh terribly <laughs> dangerous yet the whole time it's completely comical just the idea of baby stand
1: (laughs) yeah I like that you know after he he looks at the baby stand carving on on his arm he tries to think what the fuck that means and he goes like (laughs) wait a minute baby stand and then he like his eyes dart over to the baby and we get a shot of the the baby's perspective of cocky being like 20 feet away really far away just looking right at him and the baby goes like oh shit and like looks away (laughs) Just like breaks eye contact because suddenly Cockyween's really suspicious of the baby. He starts slowly walking over to him.
0: And so this, uh, uh, I mean, it's it's been seeded from the very beginning uh, of the episode. But this is when, you know, the big questions really come into stark light. You know, mm-hmm. how do you convince people to let you punch a baby <laughs> yeah. when you yourself are not even 100% sure you should punch the baby? <laughs> Cockyween picks up the baby like, convinced that it's the
1: stand user. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't just, like, pick it up like a normal baby. He grabs it by the collar and lifts it up like, hey, buddy, I'm going to rough you up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But also, how do you communicate this fight's mechanics between the sleeping and waking self? Well, that seems to be part of it. Part of Death 13's power is you never can remember these dreams.
1: And so Kakyoin is just, like, He's kind of failing at at telling other people, hey, there's something wrong with this baby, because he just mm-hmm. doesn't know how to. <laughs> Everything he does just makes him look like a fucking psycho. Like, Joseph yeah. comes over and it's just like, dude, that is not how you hold a baby. You could strangle him that way. <laughs> <laughs> and so he just, like, starts gradling the baby. And everyone's just like, man, Wayne looks like he's really losing it. Maybe he'll calm down after he, he eats some food.
0: They, they all are thinking about, you know, how far they've come and how stressful it's been. And, you know, maybe someone could crack up. Maybe that it, uh we we can't trust him to, to yeah. stay the
1: course. Part one here ends in the cliffhanger of no one believing Kakuin and thinking he's might be going a little crazy. And the baby making a little evil face and going. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us to episode 20, death 13, part two. Uh, We start quiet around the campfire uh, as Jojo contemplates the journey off alone, uh, uh, even down to to the number of kilometers they've traveled. (laughs) It's been about four weeks, he says, about four weeks. So we are in the second half of the ticking clock uh, uh, regarding his mother's very life. Yeah.
1: I just like the shot of him just looking at the stars with a cup of coffee or tea or something. It almost looks like an ad for it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the way it's it's framed. Jotaro comes back to camp, and uh, everyone's talking about Kakuin kind of whispering to each other again, because, you know, Kakuin's just eating all alone by himself, like, on the opposite side of the camp, just holding his head in his hands like he's all fucked up.
0: Yeah, the baby is seeing this distrust and feeling very, very confident in himself.
1: The, the baby is thinking to himself about, you know, how his plan is working. No one's believing cockyween. I'm, I'm kind of separating them a little bit here. Uh, but the baby strikes a face that's like a combo of normal baby face and evil baby face because he looks really <laughs> chubby. <laughs> he's got a really chubby smile going on, but he's got the vampire fangs. <laughs> uh, Joseph feeds
0: Polnareff some baby food. Yeah, he's uh, made some homemade baby food out of like uh, vegetables and fruits and, and egg yolk. And Polnareff fucking loves it. He, he cannot just starts get enough dig- of this baby food. He just starts digging into this pot of baby
1: food. And the baby's really pissed because he's hungry and he wants the baby food. Uh, there's a scorpion <laughs> right there by the sure baby
0: <laughs> The scorpion is threatening the baby. And like we're, we're underlining this uh, huge gap in capability between you know the stand and its user. At least you think you are. Uh, uh, until the baby exclaims, crap baskets. <laughs> yeah. and then stabs the scorpion all the way through with a giant safety pin
1: and, and the baby's you know phew got that scorpion before it stung me and the, then he looks over his shoulder and cocky is like frozen in place freaking the fuck out because he just saw a baby kill a scorpion
0: with a safety pin <laughs> <laughs> I gotta check that mommy blog again see what age that's supposed to happen
1: <laughs> so he runs over to everybody else just like this baby isn't normal <laughs> kill the scorpion <laughs> They killed a scorpion.
0: And, like, they want to trust him. They want to believe him. Although, you know, such a claim requires evidence. So they start looking around for the dang dead scorpion. And I like that the baby cannot hide at
1: all when it's freaking out that it's got caught. Because its eyes are, like, bulging out of its head. It's shaking. <laughs> it's, like, cowering, trying to hide its face in the basket.
0: mm <laughs> And so they they seek this dead scorpion, but they do not find the scorpion, and that is just sealing Kakyoin's fate. Mm -hmm. Is this the first stand, or or first stand user, to attack the bonds between the group? I mean, the the devil took advantage of sort of ambivalence toward Polnareff, but that's not quite the same.
1: I guess the closest you get is Rubber Soul, pretending to be Cocuine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there isn't really anything
0: else like that. Are all of Dio's minions, like zeroing in on kakuin is the weak link hmm it's fucking rude they were going after Polnareff for a while but
1: uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> so many guys have died now maybe they they're changing tactics here <laughs> just hurt joseph like if you go after joseph like he's mr moneybags like they're not gonna be able to buy
0: the cars and planes that need to get to you if joseph's dead He's mm-hmm. not as easily, they won't have the contacts wherever they're going that like come on, he's yeah, he's the least punchable,
1: mhm, they can't find that scorpion anywhere, and everyone's just getting real worried about calcuen. Joseph goes to feed the baby the baby food, and the baby don't want to eat now, mhm, his cheeks are puffing up and stuff, yeah he's got he's got that scorpion in his mouth. <laughs>
0: And he's doing everything he can to keep that mouth closed and the scorpion hidden, including avoiding this delicious baby food that all babies <laughs> love, including gigantic French babies. <laughs> and so at this point, Kaki was getting really desperate, and he just
1: showed everyone, he shows everyone the, the words baby stand that he carved into his arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then everyone, and Kaki was just like, "Ah, oh, fuck, this just makes me look really crazy. Really yeah. crazy. He,
0: he is desperate enough to be making strategic errors, which is very unlike him. Yeah. Perhaps because he is not thinking in terms of fights. Uh, he, he's not really plotting this out in, in the, the same way he would yeah. because they are his friends. They are meant to trust mm-hmm. him implicitly. And without that, like his calculus is, is just wrong. And so at this point, Kakuin goes like,
1: okay, fuck it. I've run out of ideas. I'm going to punch the baby right now. He pulls out <laughs> Hierophant Green. He leaps into the air, going for this baby. But Silver Chariot comes up behind him, just
0: knocks him in the back of the head and, and knocks him out. Mm-hmm. And everyone like officially thinks
1: Cockyween has just lost his mind
0: now. At this point, in silence, as he falls, Cockyween is pleading uh, uh, to everyone individually and as a group to to just trust him, believe him. Mm-hmm. Uh, to notice that there's something wrong with this baby and they're all in terrible danger, even if he, the waking Kakyoin, doesn't know what form that danger takes. Yeah. It's very uh, dramatic. It's very it's sad. It's, it's really good.
1: Yeah, I like the Steve Carter a lot. So at this point, you know, they, they put Cockyween off to the side and they're talking about how, like, you know, okay, Cockyween can't, you know, fight with us anymore. He's lost it. We're going to figure out what we do with him, like, tomorrow morning. We mm-hmm. got to take him somewhere. They put the baby back in the basket, and now the baby is finally like pukes up the, <laughs> spits out the the dead scorpion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now it, it is bedtime for everybody. Everybody's everybody's going to sleep, and all three of the remaining guys all wake up in in this theme park.
0: Yep. Everybody's in Dreamland together, uh, except the baby, of course, because the baby is now free to to get up, toddle around, and chow mm-hmm. down on that baby food. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's some good shit. Two out of two eaters agree. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when Joseph
1: and and Jataro are are trying to figure out where they are, you know, Polnareff says, like, Polnareff recognizes the place, goes Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is a dream. Everyone else is like, okay, cool. I'll just go back to
0: sleep then. And he's like, no, no, it's a bad dream. It's a very dangerous dream. It's a very bad dream. dream. Don't do what I did last time I took a nap. No. Yeah. Polnareff is is trying to tell them that, like, he
1: thinks this isn't isn't just a, a normal, weird, bad dream. Uh, And as he's trying to figure out what to do, uh, Joseph just goes, Polnareff, what's up with your hair? Camera pans up
0: and (laughs) Polnareff's hair grows absurdly tall. And then just splays out uh, into giant tentacles that wrap themselves around like lampposts, I think. Yeah, some sort of post. I think it's lampposts and and binds him between them while uh, uh, Jojo's chain that is attached to, you know, the the lapel of his coat also uh, uh, gets a life of its own and and ties itself off, chaining him in place. And then Joseph's uh, mechanical hand grows uh, uh, many, many times its size (laughs) and becomes an anchor that sticks him uh, in place where he stands. Yeah. They they are all bound by their own accessories, as the Phantom of the Opera would say, slaves of fashion. <laughs> uh
1: and this is when Death Thirteen reappears. Lolly Ho, motherfucker. Lolly Ho starts walking towards them. We get an interstitial card here that actually introduces the, the stand user's name. Localized to Manishu Bui. Manish
0: Boy? Yes. Manish Boy is a Muddy Waters song. <laughs> also a pretty good name for a, a evil baby, I guess, <laughs> that acts well beyond his year. Yeah. Uh, his almost one year. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if there is, this is just, I don't know enough about, like, linguistics, obviously, to, to say if this is just a Wamu style Manishu-bui mm. is just the, the Japanese transliteration for Manish Boy. Maybe. Also, before that uh, card comes, I think it's Polnareff who shouts, "Holy shit, bricks!" So,
1: oh yeah, he says, "Holy shit, bricks."
0: <laughs> just want to note that. So, Death Thirteen is about to
1: attack. Uh, Jojo calls out Star Platinum as uh, Polnareff's like, "Yo, you can't do
0: that. You can't call stands here." But Star Platinum shows up anyways, and Star Platinum is happy. You ever want to see oh. Star Platinum smile? You can see it now. I don't like it. It's wrong. <laughs> Yeah, it feels bad. It feels weird. It's like Wednesday Adams smiling. It's a
1: it's a bad thing. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. So Star Platinum smiling turns around and just starts, you know, hundred thousand punching uh Jotaro. Mm-hmm. He pulls out a frying pan and starts smashing his face a whole lot into different cartoony faces. Mm-hmm. And it's also like Star Platinum doing like a really stupid voice,
0: like a mocking version of Star Platinum's normal voice. Because that's not the real Star Platinum. No, that's just Death 13 in disguise because you can't bring your stance here. Mm hmm i mean maybe if your stand was out as you fell asleep it would be brought into the dream along with you but who would even know to do that uh in advance (laughs) because information can't be shared between the the dream and the real world so so that's why death 13 feels so confident in explaining the the method by which he could be defeated
1: Yeah, he's taunting all three of them because they, they can't do shit. They're all stuck in place. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: he's about to just, you know, slice all their heads off at once. Only thing that can fight a stand is another stand, and there ain't no stands in here but me, so I'm going to cut you to ribbons with my giant scythe. And
1: as he's about to do that, a uh, hierophant green pops up right behind him. It just starts choking him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the actual hierophant green.
0: So so that whole, like, ah, you are now in my trap, Mr. Bond, I shall explain my plan thing was for us, the viewer, to not question it when the real higher fan green shows up. <laughs> yeah. How, how did Kakyoin know? Did Kakyoin know? Is, is this just some sort of happy accident from being knocked unconscious by Polnareff? The jury is out. I think it's a bit of a happy accident, but e- either that or
1: realizing that he maybe this would work as he's passing out. Also, uh Kakuin has a different color palette for this scene. He's got like gray hair yeah, and a yeah. black black jacket.
0: Once the fight proper starts, which I guess is is when they all get chained up, there is one color shift and Kokurine mm-hmm. shifts to silver hair, black coat and he looks fly as hell. Yeah, red eyes. I he love it. <laughs> There's uh
1: the, there for certain JoJo characters, uh, I forget the the brand name or whatever whoever makes the the uh, Jojo figures. But they do sell alternate <laughs> color palettes for for scenes like this. So you can totally get a silver-haired <laughs> uh, Kakuin if you want. I thought about it.
0: Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Kakuin is now explaining how he was able to uh, uh, trick Death 13 and sneak up on him. Not only was Hierophant Green out when he fell unconscious, but Hierophant Green had tunneled Uh, into an underground burrow so that the the baby with his real-world waking eyes wouldn't see that Hierophant Green was still out and therefore transmitted to the dream world. Yeah, Underground burrowing is the OP strat of JoJo's.
1: (laughs) Dude, it works so good. It's top-tier tech. The only people who haven't done it on the hero's side so far is... Polnareff, I think, and Joseph. Mm-hmm. Everyone else has burrowed underground at some point.
0: <laughs> and Joseph should know how a powerful underground burrowing is. That's how he lost his hand.
1: God damn, burrowing underground happens so much in JoJo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just like dead dogs. Just like. Just like dead dogs.
1: There's so many recurring themes. All the hits. Omens. We're
0: playing all the hits. Plane crash. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Hierophant Green sort of has, uh, Death 13 in, like, a, a full Nelson, basically. <laughs> and Kakuin says, quote, I don't care that you're a baby, I'll snap your neck like a twig. <laughs> <laughs> like, again, uh, all of these stand users, like, putting children in harm's way, like, are you a bad enough dude to stab this kid in the eye or whatever? Now the stand user is the kid. It's, yeah, <laughs> you can't avoid it. Yeah.
1: You know, Death 13 is flailing around trying to get, get Hierophant Green with his scythe, but you know, Hierophant Green is just straight behind him, so he can't get hit by this scythe at all. Mm-hmm. Everyone runs over to Cockyween just saying, like, dude, we're so sorry we owe you a big apology. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry you were right, baby stand, baby stand.
0: Totally. <laughs> But Death-13 still has some tricks up his sleeve, like a giant scythe. He throws the scythe. It sort of boomerangs around and chops uh, both itself and Hierophant Green in half. Yeah. Or so it seems. (gasps) Because Death-13, that cloak, just a cloak. All it Mm -hmm. is is head, shoulders, arms, and scythe. Yeah. Apparently the scythe is part of it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I like that when you, you know, he, he pulls the the remainder of his like cloak apart so you see it's just shoulders and nothing else i like that this stand is like mechanical
0: it's very like, cool yeah higher Frank green though does have a full body which means it was cut in half which mm. means kakuin should also be cut in half and blood pooling inside that uh, a sleeping bag so little baby crawls over to to check and, and look upon his handiwork and is shocked to see that that is not the case. <laughs> so yeah, we get a get a
1: reveal with Hierophant Green here. It appears that half the lower half of his body is just missing, but no. So so you know, Hierophant Green has tentacles that he can extend really far. We we've yeah. seen him him use really long tentacles before all the time. It's basically a, a cyber noodle. Yeah, but this time, uh, he he's extended his tentacles out so long that his body is unraveling. To create more tentacles. So the lower half of his body has just unraveled into a tentacle that is burrowing into
0: the ear of Death 13. <laughs> Remember when we were first introduced to the stand and, and how it was puppeting a woman by crawling inside her and you could see its head inside her mouth? Yeah, he's doing that. It's time for that to come back. It's It's been a while since we've had a Hierophant puppetry, but it's back and that is his method of victory,
1: essentially. He he completely unravels Hierophant green entirely. It's just one long like tapeworm now. In this stand, it's it's chilling out, like, it, it opens its mouth, and you can just see Hierophant Green chilling inside there, mm-hmm. and he, he puppets Death 13 into holding its scythe up to its own neck, just so, holding it hostage, like, don't make me kill you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The baby's freaking out in real life, because, like, it could feel the stand going into its stand's ear, and therefore, it, himself. Yeah, he feels like he's
0: gonna burst. It's it's probably pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. We have to burp the baby. The baby's very gassy. Yeah. <laughs> Got a ghost inside my brain. So, yeah, uh, uh, Death 13 and the baby submit, and uh, we cut straight to the following morning. Cockyween is up, uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, making breakfast for everybody. <laughs> the The other three companions are all bleary and like, because they had a pretty rough night. They wake up not remembering a thing. The last thing they remember is their good friend... Uh, having a baby-based freakout and wondering <laughs> if they're going to have to, like, ditch him at the next airport. Yeah. Uh, But now he, he seems back to his old self cause, because uh, he actually does remember everything. Another side mm. effect of bringing your stand into the dream is that the stand will hold your memories as you come out of the dream. Mm-hmm. F- fine. Sure. Okay.
1: <laughs> All right.
0: <laughs> and so Kakuin has decided to... Uh, uh, convince his companions that he's not cracking up by making them all think that they are, which seems yeah. rather rude. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever works, I guess. Uh, so he, he
1: goes over to the evil baby, goes to change his diaper, just leaves the, the poop hanging out there, not not full, fully change his diaper, because he has a one-on-one with the evil baby. Mm-hmm. Like, listen, because you're a baby, I won't mortally wound you or injure you at all. We'll take you to nearby town. But after that, like, you got to go back to your mom and you don't ever come near us again because I will kill you.
0: <laughs> now, by mom, do you mean
1: that random woman he brain fogged uh, yesterday? Or, or rather, Kakyoin just says, I will punish you, not kill you. Yeah. And then yeah. He, he takes a spoon, cuts off a little bit of the baby poop and drops it into the baby food and stirs it in. And he says, this is how I will punish you.
0: And the baby says, is that my poop? Don't feed a evil baby poop. <laughs> Cocaine, no. So it's all stirred up, and then uh, Joseph comes over, like, "Okay, time to feed the baby. I'm gonna gonna take a spoon of, of this baby food." I'm go-, and the baby does not want to eat the baby food. Mm-mm. We know the baby loves the the baby food when prepared properly. The baby has demonstrated that. <laughs> but Joseph is just like, man, this baby fucking hates food. Mm-hmm. so Polnareff comes over uh, uh, with the solution to tickle the baby little, little coochie coochie coo so it opens its mouth and then you shove the spoon inside and you force feed the baby its own poop everybody's happy Ta-da. the way they
1: animate Polnareff's hands moving for the coochie coochie coo looks oh, like yes. his hands are from a WarioWare minigame <laughs> yes. the way they're moving it's really funny <laughs>
0: They they don't like twist or rotate or they they just slide around above the baby. It, yeah. It's very like a uh, uh, paper doll hands <laughs> yeah. with
1: with animated fingers. The the camera cuts away to to a, a further away shot of the baby eating its own own poop in the baby food, and then the camera pans over to Cockyween who has the smuggest looking smile on his fucking face, and he's looking straight at the camera, and he just says Badumtis. He just does a he does a rim shot at the
0: audience, just like the the narrator did at the end of the Sun episode. <laughs> it's just a thing now. We do that it's, now. Yeah,
1: like there is no other JoJo part that does this. Only part three frequently has characters, both villains and the heroes, just look straight at the audience and just do a rim shot
0: or just acknowledge a stupid joke or something. It's so weird. However, that's not the end. We we have a bit of a button, a bit of foreshadowing into what's to come. Uh, as the crew is is now crossing the Red Sea on a little boat,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, Jojo looks at the compass and notices they're not heading due west. They they are sailing south toward an island, not toward you know the nation of Egypt. And he's like, "What what the fuck is up, old man?" And uh, Joseph is like, "Yeah, good eye. I'm going to that island. We're on a detour to meet a guy." <gasps> Got a new guy to meet. Got a we got to meet a guy. There's a very important guy on that island. It's a yeah. guyland.
1: <laughs> and that's uh, that. That is where th- this episode ends. Cliffhangering you on a new guy. <laughs> Can't wait for the new guy. Uh, so yeah, that is it. That is the Death 13 two-parter. I like the Death 13 two-parter. Uh, I like it because it's been a while since you get something that's been like majorly cocculine focused Mm -hmm. and it's a fun one for him to have to to deal with because it's not something where his his normal like uh tactics like work very well it's (laughs) such a weird fucking situation and also you get to see cocculine repeatedly threaten a baby
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> like, I mean, I, I've been mentioning it, but it really is a synthesis of a lot of what part three is, uh, both in these little details, but also in the the mood like this is a strange situation. How do they figure out what the situation even is? How do they get out of it? But but with this very special blend of, of horror and comedy uh, or, or danger and comedy suffused through the entire thing.
1: You know, we've been in in these types of stand fights for a little while now. One of the big reasons why I I still continue to in, enjoy watching the later JoJo parts is just there are so many stands at this point where the powers are so specific and weird that you don't you have no idea how they can beat it. Mm-hmm. It's it's always satisfying or almost always satisfying. You know, every once in a while you get an episode where it's just like, well, how do they beat the stand? I don't know. They just like sucked it up and swallowed it. I don't know. <laughs> but but most of the time the the solutions to these things are are just I don't know, the, the, a lot of the episodes keep me on the edge of my seat, I guess, is, is what I'm yeah, trying to say. Yeah, yeah.
0: You don't know what's going to happen. What the fuck's going to go on with this evil baby? <laughs> this feels like kind of an ass pull. Like, looking in hindsight, I can imagine Cockyween as he's just grasping at straws, like, I don't know, what if my my stand is out while I fall asleep, would that do anything? And yeah. trying it? I have no idea why he would expect that to work. <laughs> yeah but but as a as an act of a desperate man i can see him thinking of it <laughs> yeah as, as he explains it was like
1: oh he had that idea as he was passing out and you know had to stand mm-hmm. go underground and stuff i almost wish it was just a like a happy accident mm-hmm. and then he's just like oh shit <laughs> i got my stand here i don't know. yeah it is a little bit of an asshole, but not enough of a one to like ruin the episode or, or anything for me because like the everything up to that point is like is pretty good And also it's nice to see Kakyoin do, you know, the thing we saw him do the first time he Mm -hmm, ever fought mm -hmm. again. He still knows
0: how to do that. There is a slight rewrite where uh, Kakyoin gets knocked out. He hides because, you know, he has so much experience here. Uh, Mm -hmm. As soon as he's knocked out, he he has his memories. So he's like in hiding. And then he hears Death 13 give that speech about how Stans could possibly be brought here. And he's like, wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That, that 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 could totally work. Again, Jojo. One of the things I really like. But damn, if it could have just a slight rewrite of a lot of its stuff, it would be even better. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If it wasn't being actively written uh, on like a weekly schedule. <laughs> While we talk about such things, uh, Manish Boy was another name applied many years later, in like 2000 mm-hmm. or 2005, in some like supplementary material.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of unnamed stand users in part three.
0: Uh, And also, one change from the manga is there is a uh, scene where the baby smokes.
1: Yes, that's right. Oh, my God. It's been so long since I read part three that I forgot the baby smokes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The baby smokes. Smoking baby. I
1: love that one of the things that gets censored the most, even more than the violence or the baby penises, is smoking.
0: Mm -hmm. That's like a big thing. Well, the baby penises never get censored. (laughs) Yeah, never. They are
1: out yeah uh it's like smoking is like the big time like you cannot show this on tv like in 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 the japanese version at least because like there's some scenes later where like jojo is smoking a cigarette and you just can't see his face it's all Mm -hmm. black (laughs) yeah that's about all i
0: got to say about baby stand so that means we will be back next week with uh the judgment two-part uh uh, stand fight i assume there's a fight there's probably a fight and i bet the stand is named judgment uh, I do want to bring up one more funny thing,
1: actually. I was looking at the, the JoJo wiki entry for the b- evil baby, and underneath abilities, the first one listed is precociousness. Oh, yeah. Not
0: not his stand ability, just evil baby. That's a real precocious baby. <laughs> so please keep track of all your precocious uh, uh, children. Be sure to stow them securely in the overhead luggage compartments for their safety. And we will be back next time with Judgment. See you later, everybody. To be continued.